You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. The cream of the crop. Hey everybody, welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge, and we always get that tagline right on take two, right boys? Take two. Or three or four, or whatever it takes. Here yeah. we can. Well, we're super excited today. Uh, it's it's getting a little later in the day, so I suppose we can call it a Triviality late night. Yeah, I mean, the sun's going down it's already. It's four, but so. whatever. We have uh, some special guests Skyping in, some of our favorite guests actually. It's Julie and Lauren, back from the Misinformation Podcast. What's up guys? Hey Hello. guys. Hey, so we have, I don't know if you've listened to our episode uh, recently, but we consider you guys our brother podcast. Ooh. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I didn't yeah. know we had a sister podcast, but we do now. I like that we do. I <laughs> yeah, feel like too. now we get to have like uh, petty fights over like cookie flavors and, and who gets mm-hmm. to take the van to the mall. I'd, yes. st- <laughs> I'd still like to do a, a guest spot on your show. Yes. Sometime. Yeah. We can make it we happen. Got, we got to figure out what topic we're doing, uh, something that I'll actually enjoy researching because Maybe <laughs> who's the... got time for that, right? <laughs> These ladies. I mean, As it you turns know, dude-centric do. movies, we are always looking for someone dude to tell centric. us about. So if there's anybody that has the history of Die Hard, just like... There's so boom. many high fives in this movie, bro. <laughs> oh, I could do Die Hard exactly. for you. That's no yeah. problem at all. <laughs> Done. See, I knew it would be easy. Well, uh, Julia and Lauren are going to be hosting today, and uh, Jeff and Neil and myself are going to play against each other, it sounds like. We're going to play Han Solo today. This is our first uh, three... Three-way? Three three three-for-all. Not our first three-way. We don't call it a three-way. We call it a three-for-all, Neil. Three-for-all, right? Guys, you're our brothers. Remember, <laughs> brothers. Yeah, this isn't uh, 17th century England. I, I, I understand so. your game has a uh, special theme, but it will abide by our normal rules. Mm-hmm. Yes, it does. Okay. In that case, let's toss it to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop! I think I'm going to be uh, Team Ken. <laughs> okay. it's a good choice. Neil uh, and Jeff? I guess I'll be Team Neil. Let's keep it simple. Yeah. Can I be Team Matt in the event that I Please lose? Please don't do this. <laughs> Matt is not here. Yeah, the, uh, Julian and Laura know where Matt is because he didn't show up, but he texted them and said uh, where his location was. Where is he? He's inside the house. <laughs> 
the he's sound, in our ceiling. Yeah, the, the sound of the 1990s Bulls YouTube videos is coming from the ceiling. <laughs> exactly. So um, yes. we're all very excited. Everyone in the trivia world getting ready to go to Geek Bowl in Vegas. Oh, we're so excited for Geek Bowl. So that's Viva really the theme Las of this Vegas. episode. Oh, it's, so it's like uh, Vegas Geek Bowl centric. Nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, our first round is on famous geeks. Ooh, okay. All right. Question one. While he was a polymath, a pain in the butt, and a hero and a scholar, Alexander Hamilton's journey to founding father of the United States included writing a series of essays defending the proposed U.S. Constitution alongside John Jay and James Madison. What were these essays collectively called, published under the pseudonym Publius? I'm reluctant. I, I know I've heard this before. I just I know I'm not going to pull it. Uh, I've also... Um, purposely not listen to the Hamilton soundtrack because I wanted to wait till I saw it live. Me too. Uh, oh, good. So someone at least is yeah, sharing. Yeah, I get it. So, uh, so yeah, I did not listen to it. So I know it's probably in there and uh, just my history is not good enough for this. So I'm just going to say it's the um, the Hamilton papers. And I said, uh, I just wrote really quick. I could be wrong, but I wrote uh, Federalist papers. That's what I wrote. So uh, either we're right or we're wrong together. We had a good history teacher, so I think we're right. <laughs> the answer is the Federalist Papers. Yeah. Um, Shout so out Mr. Co- Fields. The, <laughs> <laughs> they're a collection of 85 articles and essays. Um, the first 77 were published serially in three newspapers between 1787 and 1788, with eight more added when the essays were compiled into a book. And also, if you are a Hamilton fan, uh, they recap all this in the song Nonstop, um, where Burr narrates, the plan was to write a total of 25 essays. The work divided evenly among the three men. In the end, they wrote 85 essays. John Jay got sick after writing five. James Madison wrote 29. And Hamilton wrote the other 51. And then they launch into a song, yeah. I imagine. And then yeah. it's like, the other 51. <laughs> the other 51. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> I, w- I, I, don't would, know. I would cast you if that was Hamilton. I don't know. No, right? I know why I had the number that? 51 stuck Did in my head. you hear how high I got on that? <laughs> I am very talented. Pretty good. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. All right. Uh, question two. American scientist Barbara McClintock received the 1983 Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine for her work on discovering mobile genetic elements. She is best known for determining the genetic structure of what grain first domesticated by indigenous people of southern Mexico more than 10,000 years ago. Um, I think I'm going to lock in. You're going to lock in. Um, she had a very storied... Yeah, same thing. Oh, man, it's always coming to me. She had a very storied... Um, history a lot of uh, great things she did for the scientific world i want to say uh i remember reading about this i feel like she did something with corn um i can't remember exactly if it's corn or not uh it could be or is it maize the older version um same thing right yeah yeah. i i I would probably give you credit either way either way um or not credit depending if it's well i'm just gonna say corn and it might be maize, but I'm going to say corn just for the <laughs> for the basic version of it. I'm going a little uh, hipper on this one, and I'm going to say quinoa. Uh, I'm I'm going to agree with Neil. I said corn. That was my okay. that was my my gut guess, but I went with quinoa. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is maize, but I will accept corn. Oh, thank you, thank I, you. Yeah, I was that's kind of that's kind of where I was at. I was like, I bet you it's maize, but. So she focused on maize cytogenetics, which is a branch of genetics that's concerned with how the chromosomes relate to cell behavior. Um, And McClintock was the first woman to win the Nobel Prize in physiology or medicine unshared and the first American woman to win any unshared Nobel Prize. 
Nice. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Question three. While we probably think of him as one of the most influential scientists of all time, this man who formulated the laws of motion was also knee deep in the occult and alchemy. Not to hit you over the head, but of the estimated 10 million words of writing in his widely studied papers and books, including the mathematical principles of natural philosophy, about 1 million of these words deal with alchemy and his quest for the philosopher's stone. Who was the super smarty pants who apparently wanted to live forever? Ah, Guess who's locked in? Ah, Principia Mathematica. Me and Jeff. <laughs> oh, you know this one? We're locked in. All these are facts that I, I've heard about people, but I, I'm not going to pull their names. So, um, oh man, he wanted the Philosopher's Stone. Mm-hmm. I mean, who doesn't? Who doesn't? What's the opposite of that? That's what I want. <laughs> the opposite of the Philosopher's <laughs> Stone? The, the Neophyte Stone? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I know I'm going to kick myself, but I'm just going to say uh, Galileo. I'm going with Newton. Uh, I, too, went with the founder of the Royal Society, Sir Isaac Newton. All right, Jeff, that's enough. <laughs> oh, I thought, I thought Newton Sir was Isaac the trick. Newton. I was going to say Newton. I was like, oh, it's Newton. But then, oh, I feel bad. I love his fig <laughs> cookies as well. I can't believe uh, I was going to go Newton. <laughs> I can't even. This makes me so angry. I, I can't handle your bad jokes, and I also can't handle my obnoxious behavior. So, <laughs> And the correct answer? Is Sir Isaac Newton. Yeah. Oh, good. That's yes. good. That's uh, good news. <laughs> Um, so he, yes, he also worked at the UK's Royal Mint, where he was in charge of the great recoining of English currency, um, though no word if he put any of his alchemy experiments into action there. Hmm. All right. Question four. This African-American mathematician was critical to the success of the first U.S. manned space flights and the beginning of NASA's space shuttle program. In 2015, at age 97, she received the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Barack Obama. And then a year later was portrayed on the big screen by Taraji P. Henson, who is this remarkable woman who once referred to the women at NASA as computers who wore skirts. Yeah. I have no idea what her name is. So I'm going to write Smith as a guess. I, I feel real about this. I should know. And I don't. So she's a, a great American, Katherine Johnson. Yes, it is Katherine Johnson. And this would have been a case where Lucky Johnson would have paid off. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Um, so her insanely important work at NASA included calculating trajectories, launch windows, and emergency return paths for Project Mercury, um, including those of astronauts Alan Shepard, who was the first American in space, and John Glenn, the first American in orbit. Um, so Johnson has co-authored 26 scientific papers, and in 2016, the Katherine G. Johnson Computational Research Facility was formally dedicated at NASA's Langley Research Center in Hampton. Virginia. Um, question five is our listener submitted question that comes to us all the way from our engineer, Josh. Oh, thank you, Josh. <laughs> Thanks, Josh. I wish we had Josh over here. We yeah, I saw, to... his, I saw his hand uh, duck into frame a couple times and move the mics a little bit. All right. All right. Uh, question five. Freud might have something to say about this. In 1991, programmers John Carmack and John Romero co-founded a software company where they innovated 3D graphics and developed groundbreaking game engines. What was the name of this company, which went on to produce such legendary video game series as Wolfenstein, Doom, and Quake? I'm locked in. You're locked in. All right. I think I'm in. Did you play any of these games? Uh, I played Doom very briefly, like a long time ago when it came out, I guess. Remember Um, when we used to play those on those old computers? mm Mm-hmm. So your guess? I've got nothing. I okay. Know. Just tapping. Second tap. Uh, I'm not sure if this is a real thing or not, but I said unreal. And I don't know how the Freud reference uh, comes in, but I'm pretty sure that's unreal as well. All right. Uh, the answer is id software. Oh. Ooh. So I think unreal is a game engine. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, id Software was the company founded by John Carmack and John Romero. So in 1997, John Carmack gave away one of his two Ferraris as a prize to Dennis Fong, as known as Thresh, who was the winner of the Quake Tournament Red Annihilation. <laughs> and Thresh is recognized by the Guinness World Records as the first professional gamer. Cool. Oh, okay. So that's a name you're just supposed to file away, apparently. Thresh. Thresh. Mm-hmm. What's Thresh not, doing not right thrush. now? Thresh. That's something else. <laughs> Yeah, what, do, thresh what is, is thrush probably works at Google? Works at <laughs> yeah, Google, yeah. Thresh is doing just fine. <laughs> don't you worry about thrush. Yeah, don't worry about thrush. He's he's his own man. You let thrush okay. worry about thrush. Let me worry about blank. <laughs> <laughs> All right, question number six. <clears throat> this genius put his nose to the grindstone and got super into social theory, political economics, and philosophy from a young age. One of his most famous works, an 1859 essay titled On Liberty, applies to the notion of utilitarianism to both society and authority. Can you name this geek who is also a strong proponent of gender equality? I'm locked in. Oh, that's right. That's Jeff's major, right? So Jeff definitely knows that. <laughs> oh, don't get me wrong. Um, I this stuff up all the time. <laughs> so that was a long time you ago, know, I understand that this is Triviality Late Night, but I still need to edit this. It's still a physical action I need to do to put bleeps in. Jeff. Triviality late night where the curse words come fast and furious. Right, I'm locked in. I'm locked in. You're locked in. Uh, I'm not too sure on this one. And speaking of triviality late nights, we actually print this episode to tape and can edit by hand with tape and a, a razor blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, three, three quarter inch. Three quarter inch. Wow. Um, we ju- are that dedicated. I'm just going to mm. go with uh, uh, John Locke. Not a bad one. Uh, I went Mill. I just said Marx. Uh, the answer is John Stuart Mill. Hmm. Um, he argued uh, that the oppression of women was one of the few remaining relics from ancient times, a set of prejudices that severely impeded the progress of humanity. And his book, The Subjugation of Women, 1861, published in 1869, is one of the earliest written on this subject by a male author. I, I concur. So he was actually woke in that time. He was, <laughs> quite woke you woke swoke he was super woke well i'm not too woke in this game as i only have uh 20 points so far how about you uh i I have 20 as well i got 40 come on (laughs) he does i got it i got it written down all right it's funny i know a lot of these facts like around but i'm just not good at pulling names but these are uh if you're also interested in other like utilitarian philosophers of that area um jeremy bentham is another good one to check out so i certainly won't go see his body yeah you can go see his body at king's college so there you go oh that's might be a little bit more interesting i I could do that yeah i could do that i'll see i'll see his body first and then read his you'd rather fly to england to see a dead body than pick up a book i mean uh right here i would much (laughs) rather see a dead body and i love to read so (laughs) there you go question number seven want to see a dead body right now (laughs) (laughs) all right question number seven One of the most circulated trivia bits is the fact that the current term robot was first used in a Czech play in the 1920s, R.U.R. by Joseph Kapek, naturally. But which classic sci-fi author was the first to coin the term robotics in his story, Liar? He also coined the terms spome and psychohistory in later writings as well. Here's a hint. He has a sci-fi fantasy short story award named after him. I think I'm in. Yeah, same. Why am I so bad with names? I love Jeff and Payne. I'll lock in. I don't think I had the right one, but I can't, I can't quite remember. Okay. Everybody locked in? Yes? Yeah. Yes. Hit us. Hit us. So uh, I was I was very close to saying uh, Anisimov, who is a player on the Blackhawks, but I 
scratched that out and I corrected myself and I put Asimov. Uh, yeah, I did Isaac Asimov. Oh, sweet. Maybe hopefully I'm, I'm right. I said Isaac Asimov. The answer is Isaac Asimov. Uh, the term spome refers to any system closed with respect to matter and open with respect to energy capable of sustaining human life indefinitely. In his paper, there's no place like spome. <laughs> He's a clever guy. And the term psychohistory is a fictional branch of science in his foundation series, which combines history, sociology, and mathematical statistics to make general predictions about the future behavior of very large groups of people. I don't Ooh. understand all of that, but it sounded like it would appeal to Jeff very much. Doesn't your Tinder profile say, like, Spomey, don't play that? <laughs> okay. No, it says, I'm the, I'm the smartest right. idiot I'm I know. i this down. That's enough. <laughs> Question number eight, boys. <laughs> Sorry, sis. It's okay. Uh, here's a gimme for all you Trekkers. In the TV series Star Trek The Next Generation, one of the most feared enemies of the Federation are known as the Borg. In a season four two-part episode, our hero, Captain Jean-Luc Picard, is assimilated into the Borg, erasing his identity and giving him a new moniker. What was Borg Picard's name? Didn't this come up the other night? It did, yeah. <laughs> it did? Yeah. It did. There was a lot going on in that episode, Ken. It might, right. have been in order, in. might have been an order of magnitude harder than any other game we've ever done. <laughs> oh yes. Uh, the Borg. I'm trying to remember. Um, all right. I'm going to lock in. Yep. Me too. Okay, I'm going right. to say that uh, when Jean-Luc Picard got assimilated into the Borg, he got really into French New Wave film, and he is Jean-Luc Godard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, I like that. Uh, Anybody else? <laughs> uh, God, I, I know I'm going to know it when I hear it, but I just went with Picard Borg. Uh, I went Borg Prime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Locutius of Borg. Mm, I was yep. so it's close. Yeah, very close. Very, You would have gotten there, too, if I give you more more time. Right. Um, these are great episodes, and I never thought we'd get the captain back, but the Borg are cybernetic organisms linked in a hive man mind called the Collective, hmm. and the Borg co-opt the technology and knowledge of other alien species to the Collective through the process of assimilation, forcibly transforming individual beings into drones by injecting nanoprobes into their bodies and surgically augmenting them with cybernetic components. And that's why... Uh, Locutius of Borg had the light in his eye because he was part Borg. Okay. That um, makes sense. The Borg's ultimate goal is achieving perfection, and they are also the main threat in first contact. Mm. Oh, and if right. you have never seen an episode of Star Trek, none of this makes any sense at all. And I guess <laughs> it's time for me to throw out my manifesto because apparently it's been done before. <laughs> yeah, sorry, man. It's been done better by the Borg. Okay, question number nine. The only legitimate child of the infamous Lord Byron and his long-suffering wife, this mathematician and writer was the first to recognize that Charles Babbage's analytical engine could be more than just a calculation machine and published the first algorithm for it and therefore is known as the first computer programmer. Name her. <laughs> I didn't know Lord Byron had a child. When he wasn't prancing around and feigning all I know, things. right? Getting syphilis and <laughs> having multiple sex partners. Well, getting Wait, getting did... syphilis was the thing to do back in the day. No, that's absolutely true. <laughs> the reason I got it at multiple choice a couple months ago is it, 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 it. She has the same last name as an actress that I worked with before, who's awesome in Chicago. Great improver. I want to tap out. I don't. I have no idea. Not uh, a field I'm familiar with. I don't know anything about Lord Byron or any of this. Ada Lovelace. Yeah, he's you right. You got it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so yeah. proud of you, Neil. Thank you. <laughs> oh, 
that's I, I wish I could give you more points for that, Neil. Oh, for just thank pulling you. that out of nowhere. Good for you. Do you guys even want to hear my joke answer? And no, okay. please. Yeah. yeah. No, Ken, go. Annabelle Gateway. <laughs> that's pretty good. That's go. pretty good. Uh, shout out to Aaron Lovelace. Thank you for being awesome with your craft and helping him with this and question. helping me because that I always put your name with her. So, okay. Question number ten. Uh, perpetually on the list of canceled too soon television shows, 1999's Freaks and Geeks was the launch pad for the careers of actors James Franco, Jason Segel, Linda Cardellini, and many others. Set in the early 1980s, the show highlighted two sets of high school cliques, the burnouts and the nerds, who really didn't care what anybody else said about them. What was the show's theme song, which was also the 1980 debut solo single for an artist who hated herself for loving you? Uh, I'm just, yeah, I'm going to lock in. It's wrong, though. All right, go ahead. I, go ahead, Buzz. I think I know the lyrics, but I don't remember the song. I'm going to go uh, Kids in America. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to put uh, Freaks. I put uh, Reputation. Like, I don't give a damn about my reputation. I didn't know what that song was I called. I think we're giving it to you. Oh, we're going to give it to it's you. It's Bad Reputation. Damn. Bad reputation I could have gotten away with that. Thank you for your leniency. Uh, I yeah. miss that. Ronda Rousey's theme song I for WWE. Was, I knew it was Joan Jett, and I knew it was I Don't Give a Damn, but I didn't know what the song was called. So I was like, oh, let's make a joke. Uh, Never make a joke. Never make Learned a joke. My lesson. <laughs> Unless Never it's Annabelle Gateway. <laughs> with priceless jokes like that, how could you lose? Well, uh, with that uh, very appreciated help on that last question, that brings my score to only 40, so don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm at 42, though. I feel pretty good about it. I have 50. All right. All right, time for your swing round. This is, this is some sports questions. This is the round where we put all of our keys in the bowl, right? <laughs> Boys, again, you're our brother podcast. You can't make dirty jokes at us because it makes us uncomfortable. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> all right. So this swing round is all about bowl games. Ooh. So for five points each, I'll name a bowl game and I'll give you the two teams who played in it for the 2018-2019 season. Mm-hmm. You just have to name the state where it was held. Okay. So, for example, if I said Rose Bowl, the college football teams, Washington and Ohio State. The answer is Pasadena, California. California. Yeah. R.I.P. Just the state, Self. Jeff. Just, Just the, the state. state. It's the only one yep. I know for sure, so don't no worry No extra it. credit. Well, this is a zero out of ten for me, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you might get one or two. You'd be surprised. Yeah. All right. Are you ready? Uh, we are ready. Okay. Number one, the Sugar Bowl. College football teams, Texas and Georgia. Number two, the Fiesta Bowl college football teams, UCF and LSU. Number three, the Cotton Bowl, college football teams, Clemson and Notre Dame. Number four, the Tax Slayer Bowl, college football teams, <laughs> Texas A&M and NC State. The what? The Tax Slayer Bowl. Tax Slayer, T-A-X Slayer. <laughs> They'll give anyone a bowl now. <laughs> Number five, the Red Box Bowl. College football teams, Nevada and Arkansas State. Number six, the Cheez-It Bowl. Delicious. College football teams, TCU and California. Number seven, the Quick Lane Bowl. College football teams, Minnesota and Georgia Tech. Number eight, the Camping World Bowl. College football teams, West Virginia and Syracuse. Number nine, the NFL Pro Bowl. Professional NFL players from the AFC and NFC conferences. They should give us the easy one there. <laughs> and number 10, the Reese's. 
<laughs> the look on Ken's face when you said that was easy. <laughs> Ken is an auteur. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't watch football. <laughs> Unless it's in French with subtitles. Yes, oh. exactly. Good job. And number 10, the Reese's Senior Bowl. This is the best NFL draft prospects from players who have completed their college eligibility. And the teams are the North versus the South. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw. <gasps> Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Was, or call the police. Or call the police, like she should have, <laughs> exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then From Beneath the Hollywood Sign is the gin joint for you. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Well, boys, I'm locked in here. Oh. With all of them? All right, I guess you took guesses? Yeah. yeah you should just guess a state for everyone. Yeah, I mean, Even there's if only you have 50. no idea. Yeah. I'm going to lock in. I only know a couple, but that's enough. I'm just going to take some guesses here. Well, let me <laughs> let me be honest. When you first proposed the swing round, I thought you said ball games, and then I thought you said bowl games like, like basketball, like the Chicago Bulls, and oh. then I was like, mm. oh, now I understand. The third time, <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's run down our list here. All right, number one, the Sugar Bowl. Where is that? They grow sugar cane in Hawaii. Uh, I believe that one's actually in uh, Nolan's. I think this is where... Oh, damn. It might be. I said Georgia. Yeah, give me the state. Uh, Louisiana. Okay. I said Georgia. The Sugar Bowl is in Louisiana. Yeah, I was confusing it It was the in New Orleans at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. All right, 0 for 1. Okay, number two, the Fiesta Bowl. New Mexico. Party it up. Uh, I believe this one's Arizona. I said Arizona. It is Arizona. It is in Glendale at State Farm Stadium. Over two. Number three, the Cotton Bowl. What has a uh, climate suitable for cotton growing and uh, love for football? Alabama. 
I said Georgia. You're not too far off with the football loving. Uh, largest stadium in the NFL. Uh, this is in Texas. It is Texas. Mm. It is in Arlington at AT&T Stadium. I have been there The Cowboys Stadium. I've been at two different Cotton Bowls. Number four, the Tax Slayer Bowl. Ohio. I don't know. Is that Georgia? I said Florida because there's got to be a couple of those on this list. The Tax Slayer Bowl was in Florida. At Jacksonville, TIAA Bank Field. Um, Number five, the Red Box Bowl. Texas. I went Nevada. I went California. It is California. It was in Santa Clara at Levi's Stadium. Number six, the Cheez-It Bowl. Texas. Uh, I went uh, California. Uh, I went Wisconsin for the Cheez-It joke. Oh, I like that. It is Arizona. It was in Phoenix at Chase Field. Number seven, the Quick Lane Bowl. Texas. I went California again. I went California. It's Michigan. (laughs) It was in Detroit at Ford Field. That makes um, sense. Ken, none of the final answers are Texas. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. <laughs> in case that changes anything. It's um, too late now. <laughs> number eight, the Camping World Bowl. And I said Oregon, actually. Uh, I, I actually went West Virginia, which makes no I sense. I went Tennessee. The Camping World Bowl is in Florida. It is in Orlando at Camping World Stadium. Guess what I said for the next one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Number nine, the NFL Pro Bowl. Flow Rider. Yeah, see, I thought it was Hawaii, but uh, something told me not to go to Hawaii, so I went to Florida. It used to be in Hawaii, so I thought it was, still was, so I said Hawaii. Okay, it's Florida. It is what? also in Orlando, also at Camping World yes. Stadium. Yes. Yeah, Ken. <laughs> On the big board. Neil, you cheating. (laughs) (laughs) And number 10, the Reese's Senior Bowl. New York. I went Kelly. Florida. Answer is Alabama. Mm. Um, So it is in Mobile, Alabama at Ladd Peebles Stadium, where it has been held from 1951 to the present. Well, I got uh, 45 points total. Five in that round. Oh, I was like in that round. Holy cow. No. Uh, I'm at 55. I got 15 in that round. I added 20 to go to 70. Great job, everyone. Great job. Great question. So we did we did geeks and bulls. And now it's time for some Las Vegas history Ooh. in round two. That's where it all falls apart. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. You got it. All right, here we go. Question number one. You can probably guess that the phrase Las Vegas is Spanish for something, but what is it Spanish for? Is it A, the dunes, B, the strip, C, the meadows, or D, the views? All right. I'm going to lock in. I'll lock in. Okay. Uh, I'm going to... My logic here is I remember hearing this. Uh, there's a great thing in Vegas if you're if you're there, uh, if you listen to this before or after, um, called the Neon Boneyard or the Neon Museum. Which we're see. definitely going to. Yeah, it's a great, great uh, little tour. Uh, they have a single tour guide that uh, tells jokes and tells you the history of the Las Vegas signs that are decommissioned and all the history of Vegas. I believe they said this on this, but I, I cannot remember exactly what he said. He was telling a lot of great jokes. His name was Guy. And uh, every time someone's named Guy, it's always fun. Cause you're like, hey, Guy. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, I think it, I'm just going to go with the dunes. I'm going to lock in with that because of the Hotel the Sands that Sinatra used to play at. So. I'm going to okay. say the Meadows because I don't think you would have come up with the Meadows as a alternate wrong answer if that wasn't correct because it's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, for the same weirdness, I went the Meadows. 
<laughs> I gotta rewrite my stuff. Uh, it is the answer is the Meadows. Las Vegas is Spanish, is Spanish for the Meadows. It was named such due to the abundant wild grasses that covered the area, as well as the desert spring waters that fed them. Okay, question number two. Lake Mead, 24 miles from the Las Vegas Strip, is the largest reservoir in the United States in terms of water capacity. What western river, which also shaped the Grand Canyon, feeds into Lake Mead? Locked in. Same. Oh, boy. Um, okay. I, oh God, my geography is just terrible. Okay, I'm locked in. Well, probably starts with Rio, so I went uh, Rio Grande. Oh, man. Rio Grande sounds right. I said the Missouri. Uh, I think it's the Colorado. The answer is the Colorado. Mm. Uh, Mead is actually within the borders of Nevada and Arizona and was formed by the Hoover Dam. The reservoir serves water to Arizona, California, and Nevada, as well as some of Mexico. About mm. 90% of the time. Neat. <laughs> yeah. Yep, yep, yep. One day I'll look at a map. Okay, question number three. Which eccentric and reclusive celebrity once purchased the entirety of the Silver Slipper Casino in 1968, reportedly because the neon lights of its sign kept him awake? Every time I hear reclusive celebrity, I always think of Howard Hughes. Yeah, but, that's exactly where my mind goes. <laughs> um, I just don't know if he had any... I guess he would have. I mean, he bought a lot of stuff. Um, I guess he could have bought a casino. Yeah, I'm going to go Howard Hughes. That's what I did. I went Howard Hughes. That sounds like a good answer, but I just said uh, Elvis. I don't know. Uh, the answer is Howard Hughes. Uh, he spent $5.4 million essentially to move a sign. Other reports say that he was afraid that the toe of the slipper, which faced his penthouse window, could contain a photographer. Uh, he shut off the sign and sealed the whole place up, and it was purchased in 1988 and torn down for a parking lot. Well, I'm just glad he wasn't paranoid at all. I always wonder yeah. what kind of like weird things I would do if I had that kind of money. Well, you can There's start, be some you can weird start by moving those jars behind you because they smell. <laughs> yes, he would pee in jars. He would only uh, eat chicken and drink milk and he would not shower or cut oh. his hair he didn't or his like nails. like clothes touched his body. So he right? was always naked and he would leave like um to cover his genitals he would have like a little pink cocktail napkin that would just hide the wing. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a, he's basically you're saying he's a dreamboat. Yeah, no, I mean 100%. But he uh well, and like, he's we played did an by Leonardo on DiCaprio. He was a couple weeks ago, so. Ooh. I like it. Okay, question number 4. Established in 1951 for the testing of nuclear devices, the Nevada test site in Nye County is a frighteningly mere 65 miles from Las Vegas. Which U.S. government cabinet-level department currently runs the area, now known as the Nevada National Security Site? I'm locked in with a guess. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm locked in. I just uh, said agriculture. Just a guess. Uh, incorrect, but I put Homeland Security. Uh, I said energy, because they're usually the ones who are tasked with um, like keeping hold of all the nuclear materials. So, uh, it is the U S department of energy. Uh, it was formerly known as the Nevada proving grounds. And in the 1950s, the over 100 atmospheric tests caused severe health issues amongst local residents until at least the 1980s. They're like, maybe we should stop that. <laughs> yeah. Right now they just do it underground. Apparently the last underground one was in 1997, I think question number five. Nevada is the only state in which prostitution is legal. However, not in every county. Notably, it is not legal in the county where Las Vegas resides, which is what? Hint, it's named after a politician and copper baron and not a delicious candy bar with crispy peanut butter and chocolate. You see, the infamous Bunny Ranch was outside of the county lines. That's how they could have legal prostitution, Jeff. 
Uh, actually, the whole thing about gambling is because of the county, because uh, most of the casinos are actually in unincorporated paradise and not actually in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Um, the county likes to keep it that way because then they get all the money. Mm. I'm locked in. Um, I know a politician who's associated with Las Vegas, so I will say McCarran. Ooh. I just said Reese. I believe it is Clark County. Clark Bar. The answer is Clark County, well named for William Andrews Clark. He was a politician and copper mining magnate who came back up in the national news a few years ago. Uh, though Williams Andrews Clark was born in 1839 and died in 1925, his daughter Huguette Marcel Clark only recently died at age 104 in 2011. She was a reclusive heiress who lived the last few decades of her life in a hospital in New York, which caretakers maintained her three massive residences and penthouse apartments. Huguette left behind a fortune of more than $300 million, and there apparently is a great book on the Clark family called Empty Mansions, The Mysterious Life of Huguette Clark, and the Spending of a Great American Fortune by Bill Dedman. Ooh. Huguette, what a lovely name. Speaking I of, love reclusive heiress stories almost so as much as I Wait, love Wait, is, is she the one who built that bizarre house that just they kept on adding no. on to it? Oh, that's no. Sarah Winchester. That's the Winchester mansion. Gotcha. Of, the, of the Winchester revolving rifles from the yeah, 19th yeah, 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 century. Yeah. Oh. By the way, Ken, I don't know if we, you know this, but um, we think you sound like Garfield. Garfield? Garfield, the cat who loves lasagna. He always talks about lasagna. For the record, Ken is I as... I do hate Mondays. I was going to say quite a bit. Ken is... As as disagreeable as Garfield, so <laughs> I'm glad that comes through in his voice. Okay. I hope that doesn't cut deep, but no, that's okay. I thought it was a kind of a compliment. I mean, my coworkers. You're not normal. No, I'm not normal, but no, uh, that's it. But uh, my coworkers think I'm an old man anyway. So yeah, fine. Yeah. <laughs> fine. fine. His, his reaction to us. He accepts his fate. Fine. I've accepted like lasagna. It. I hate Mondays. I'm fine with it. <laughs> Question six. What's up, Doc? One of the most infamous and feared celebrity gangsters of his day turned out to be the driving force behind the development of the Las Vegas Strip. He parlayed his mobster experience with Murder Incorporated and the the extortion of Hollywood studios into supplying the best liquor, food, entertainment, and gambling to lure both high rollers and tourists to Vegas. Name that gangster. Locked in. Well, you know, I don't really know it, Neil. I'm going to lock in with nothing. You could feel free to talk it out. It is, um, oh, Warren Beatty played him, yes. Uh, Bugsy. Bugsy, oh, is that Siegel or Malone? I'm going to go Bugsy Siegel. Locked in. I went Bugsy Malone. Okay, the answer is Bugsy Siegel. The movie was called Bugsy Malone based on him, but it was not his real name. Today Um, ain't my day. All right, question seven. According to a 2017 statistical report from the Nevada Gaming Control Board and the UNLV Center for Gaming Research, slot machines are the number one casino win payout every year. What game, actually the most popular casino game worldwide, is number two on the Las Vegas Strip, but number one in James Bond's heart? I'm locked in. The Bond thing only helps a little bit because there's a couple different directions. You yeah, can I take thought that. his favorite his favorite game was one that is so like obscure to me but maybe it's a big game in vegas um what is the answer (laughs) (laughs) um would you like to play a game mr bond (laughs) um uh, i think i'm wrong i'm just gonna go with it though i'm locked in I am going with uh, baccarat because it's in james bond and it's uh got great odds not good. No, I shouldn't say great odds. They're still bad odds, but they're better than most odds. Yeah, I, d- I just went based off of what 
Bond plays, uh, which is Baccarat. So that's what I put. Yeah, I I should have gone with Baccarat, um, but I know there's a big thing about him playing poker, and I don't know if they do that in Casino Royale just because it's a more contemporary take. Um, but uh, I went poker. It is Baccarat. Yeah. Um, so after slot machines, Baccarat has the highest average win per unit per day on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, Baccarat also accounts for one of the lowest house edges in casino games, which gives players the potential to win serious money at the casino's expense. So you're right on the nose, Ken. Yep. I only play Baccarat and craps in Vegas. Now, that's it. I don't you, know how to play either. Do maybe, you... maybe, uh, maybe a little bit of roulette if I'm feeling extra risky because the odds in roulette are actually but it's easy to play. I like playing war. Um, which war is, is good too. War is good. I'll drop a twenty, get twenty back, and then leave the table. But um, <laughs> I, I I wonder if you increase your odds of playing baccarat while listening to uh, to Bert Bacharach. I think so. Okay. All right. Question eight: The oldest resort still in operation today on the Vegas Strip, open to the public in 1946, with a flamboyant Miami meets Art Deco theme. You might get a little pink thinking about it. Tell us the name of this fabulous hotel and casino. Locked in. I am locked in. I am going to go with uh, the Flamingo. I sent a chocolate-covered strawberry to Colleen when she was there with her friends on their first Vegas trip. It is the Flamingo. I, too, went with that wonderful bird, the Flamingo. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> Did you send a single chocolate-covered strawberry? Chocolate-covered strawberry. Uh, no, it was uh, it was her and two friends, and I sent a plate of three chocolate-covered strawberries, white chocolate, dark chocolate, and and uh, milk chocolate-covered strawberries, and they each got one. That's really nice. Yeah. I mean, I would probably want more than two. How about nine? How about three each? Hey, these were at Vegas prices. Okay. Oh, yeah. right, right. Okay. All right. It is I'll the Flamingo. It. it is the Flamingo. <laughs> um, so this was the one that Bugsy Siegel financed and turned into a syndicate-run venture. Uh, the very first casino to be built on Highway 91 in Vegas was the Pair O Dice Club in 1931, but the first resort on what is currently the Strip was the El Rancho Vegas, which opened in 1941. We're going to name but, it after the Pink Bird, see? that's his bugsy that's his bugsy accent okay question nine las vegas was one of the largest cities in the united states without a major league sports team before the vegas golden knights of the nhl became the first professional sports franchise to play there in 2017 shortly thereafter the las vegas aces of the wnba relocated to vegas in 2018 after the team was sold to mgm resorts Name either of the two cities where the Las Vegas Aces previously resided under a more celestial nickname, each time playing second fiddle to their NBA counterparts. Uh, oh, I thought one of their teams was a state. Uh, yes, you know what? You're right. Either of the two places where, oh, the, oh, good. Okay. where the team was. Then yeah. my, my gut was correct then. Okay. I, I, well, hopefully it is. We'll see. Yep. I'll lock in. You said uh, celestial? Yes. I'm thinking angels. So I said uh, Los Angeles. I think um, you had the Utah Jazz, and I think they were like the Utah Stars with a Z instead of an S, so I went Utah. That would make sense. I couldn't stop thinking about the Chicago Sky, so I said Chicago. All right. Neil is right. It is the Utah Stars with two Zs Or two Zs, yeah. That's two guys. (laughs) So uh, they were the Utah Stars from 97 to 2002, and then they were the San Antonio Silver Stars from 2003 to 2013, and then just the San Antonio Stars from 2014 to 2017. And, sorry, finally, question number 10. Partial credit is possible here. Okay. 
So the lights along the Las Vegas Strip have been dimmed in a sign of respect to six performers and one sports personality upon their deaths. One was in the 1970s, four in the 1990s, and two in the 2010s. The most recent was in 2017. For two points apiece, can you name five of these men? Yes, they're all male. So closely associated with Vegas that they received this relatively rare honor. Uh, Let's see. Six performers, one athlete. Sports personality. Oh, ooh, sports personality. Okay. Doesn't help. I'm lucky. It doesn't help is... Yeah, very much uh, applicable here. I think I, I, I I'm I'm stopped at three, but uh, hopefully I get partial credit enough to make six out of ten. So I'll I'll stay there. I'm good. I'm locked in. Yep. All right, I'm locked in with with, with at least three. So. All right. Um, I'll na- I'll name you what they are, and then you you give yourself points. Okay. Um, so they are Elvis Presley, 1977, mm-hmm. Sammy Davis Jr., 1990. Dean Martin, 1995, George Burns, 1996, Frank Sinatra, 1998, former UNLV basketball head coach Jerry Tarkanian in 2015, and in 2017, Don Rickles. Guess who got all 10 points? Wow. I had Elvis Sinatra, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., and Don Rickles. I should have had uh, Elvis, but I only had Sinatra, Dean Martin, and Sammy Davis Jr., so I'm getting six. I got uh, six. I had Sinatra, Rickles, Sammy Davis Jr. I had Liberace written down, but good thing I crossed it out. So Liberace would have been a good guess, I yeah. think. Yeah, yeah. All right, so at the end of regulation, it looks like uh, I'm kind of blowing it here. Got uh, 85 points. Neil in second place with 121 and in a narrow lead. Tenuous lead. Tenuous lead. 126. Jeff, 126. Nice. All right. Um, Geek Bowl this year is at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. Um, so your final round categories, which you can wager accordingly, your categories are Crazy Train, November Rain, Stairway to Heaven, Enter Sandman and Sweet Emotion. And we have placed our wagers, so take it away. Great. Crazy Train. Promontory Summit in the Utah Territory was the location where the Transcontinental Railroad across the United States was completed in May 1869, connecting the Central Pacific and Union Pacific Railroads. What specific ceremonial item was manufactured, engraved, and installed at this site by Leland Stanford? November rain. Only receiving 23.2% of the popular vote, this incumbent president of the United States was washed away from office in the worst finish for presidential re-election in U.S. history. Who was the unfortunate fellow who later quipped, no one candidate was ever elected ex-president by such a large majority? Stairway to heaven. There are two states that can still legally execute people by firing squad. One is the home state of Neil Armstrong and William Jennings Bryan, and the other, well, it's pretty salty. Name both of them. Enter Sandman. Award-winning author Neil Gaiman wrote the successful graphic novel series The Sandman, which tells the story of Dream, a.k.a. Morpheus, who rules over the world of dreams. Though Gaiman famously said, I'd rather see no Sandman movie made than a bad Sandman movie, he did approve a television series based on one of the series' supporting characters in 2014. 
what is this fantasy police procedural about a supernatural being that got um, bored in his original position and moves to Los Angeles to open a nightclub and help take down criminals with the LAPD? It aired for three seasons on Fox and is moving to Netflix for its fourth season set to air in 2019. Sweet Emotion. Elusive Chanteuse Mariah Carey has released 15 studio albums, including 2018's Caution, over her 30-year career. She also dipped a toe into acting with her shiny 2001 feature film, which flopped terribly, and was arguably the beginning of the end of her meteoric rise. What was the name of this film, which also unfortunately debuted around the time of 9-11? All right, let us think about these answers for a moment, and uh, we'll get back to you. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, the guys have their answers in, and I hope they're all correct. Yeah, me too. Uh, They they won't be. (laughs) Here we go with the first one, Crazy Train. Promontory Summit in the Utah Territory was the location where the Transcontinental Railroad across the United States was completed in May 1869, connecting the Central Pacific and Union Pacific Railroads. What specific ceremonial item was manufactured, engraved, and installed at this site by Leland Stanford? I said uh, I was going between golden and silver spike. Um, and golden seems like it would be right, but it's too soft. So I said a silver spike. Okay. Um, I wagered five. Oh, sorry. I wagered 10. Which one? I wagered five and I just put an anvil. Uh, I too wagered 10 on this one and I said a railroad spike. Oh, so close. It's the golden spike. Mm. Uh, the special spike of gold was manufactured in San Francisco and a railroad tie of California laurel was created and pre-drilled for the spike to be dropped into and tapped into place with a silver spike mall. So we needed golden. We needed the there. golden parts. Because that's a specific artifact. <laughs> yes. If you, if you knew how late in the game I crossed out gold and put silver oh, instead. Ken, I'm sorry. It's okay. This game was lost at, at the swing round. You stay gold, Ken. I will. All right, number two, November Rain. Only receiving 23.2% of the popular vote, this incumbent president was washed away from office in the worst finish for presidential re-election in U.S. history. Who was the unfortunate fellow who later quipped, no one candidate was ever elected ex-president by such a large majority? All right. I'm just going to be honest here. I wagered 10s all the way down. Ditto. 
Uh, I should have thought more about the wash, but I guess this still works a little bit. And I said Hoover. Yeah, I I didn't know. Um, I wrote down um, Calvin Coolidge, Woodrow Wilson, excuse me, and uh, Taft. I just random names. Uh, I went with uh, Coolidge. Well, seeing as how there was no presidents, Kenmore, Whirlpool, or Maytag, uh, I said Hoover. All right. It is William Howard Taft. Um, in 1912, Cause he looks he like Mr. Clean or Republican vote. <laughs> Sorry. Cause he looks like Mr. Clean or, um, well, he, his big apocryphal story is that he got stuck in a bathtub. Oh, that's right. Mm. Yes. That makes a lot of sense though. Cause he split the ticket with the bull moose party, right? Is that yes. how that worked? Yeah. It, he split the Republican vote with the bull moose party candidate and former president Teddy Roosevelt and ultimately lost to Woodrow Wilson. Um, Teddy Roosevelt remains the only third party presidential candidate in U S history to finish better than third in the popular <laughs> vote with 27% of the national popular vote. And one time uh, deadliest warrior champion, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Stairway to heaven. There are two States that can still legally execute people by firing squad. One is the home state of Neil Armstrong and William Jennings Bryan, and the other, well, it's pretty salty. Name both of them. I, again, wagered 10. I just said Utah and Mississippi. I don't know. Uh, I do know Neil Armstrong is from Ohio, uh, so I said Ohio. Uh, wagered one, one point, and uh, complete guess, salty. I just, Salt Lake City, which I don't know why they would shoot people in Utah, but I put Utah. Oh, um, yeah, I wish I would have remembered that William Jennings Bryan was from Ohio. Uh, I said Utah and Texas. Uh, the answer is Ohio and Utah. Uh, the last known execution by firing squad in Utah was convicted murderer Ronnie Lee Gardner in 2010, who actually requested it. Oh. And Ohio state prosecutors are currently trying to execute convicted murderer Alva Campbell by firing squad after a lethal injection attempt was unsuccessful. <laughs> so they were like, let's shoot him. Oh my God. There was a, there was a guy recently who, uh, like they were, they were having debates over how ethical lethal injection was. So he just hung himself because he's like, just do it already. He's like, I'm like, he's like, I'm over this. Let's let's do this. Yeah, oh. this guy Elva. Apparently, they couldn't find a good Again, like <laughs> they <laughs> they couldn't find a good um, vein to put it in. They were just jig jabbing around. In it. <laughs> <laughs> so. There you go. You can edit that out if you want. No big deal. Oh, I just like the I'll edit it out Jeff's bit because he just destroys the levity all the time with something just horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I, he was and just like the guy hung himself. All right, let's let's finish and then I'll tell him the story about the last okay. recording. Okay. Number four, Enter Sandman. Um, so Neil Gaiman wrote the Sandman. Um, what is the fantasy police procedural about a supernatural being that got uh, bored in his original position and moves to Los Angeles to open a nightclub to help take down criminals with the LAPD? It aired for three seasons on Fox and is moving to Netflix for its fourth season in 2019. All right. Well, I uh, wager 10 again. I drive past some uh, billboards that say Lucifer and uh, I put Lucifer. Ooh, that sounds right. Uh, I wagered five. I couldn't remember what uh, Neil Gaiman show it could be. I know he's got one with David Tennant called Good Omens, uh, and he's got American Gods, which I think is stars. Uh, but now that you say Lucifer, that's totally right. But uh, I just want American Gods. Yeah, I wagered 10 like I did for the rest of these, and I said Lucifer. It is Lucifer. So right. the series resolves around... The series revolves around Lucifer Morningstar, the devil who abandons hell for Los Angeles, where he runs his own nightclub. What's the difference? Am I right? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, (laughs) oh, no one's ever done that. He leaves hell to open a nightclub and consult with the LAPD. (laughs) 
Sweet Emotion. Elusive Shantus Mariah Carey has released 15 studio albums, including 2018's Caution over her 30-year career. She also dipped a toe into acting with her shiny 2001 feature film, which flopped terribly and was arguably the beginning of the end of her meteoric rise. What was the name of this film, which also unfortunately debuted around the time of 9-11? All right. Uh, 10 on this one. Three words were in my head, and those three words were glow and honey and glitter, and I went with glitter. Honey was Jessica Alba, right? Yeah, but she was in it too. Was she? I think so. <laughs> uh, I wagered five and I went with glitter. I had no idea, so I put nothing. Lost my 10 points. Uh, the answer is glitter. It also starred DeBrat. Remember DeBrat? Do not remember I DeBrat. I do uh, remember There are actually apocryphal stories that the movie came out on 9-11 and that in some news footage you can see the billboard in the foreground of the collapse of the towers. Um, but actually it was the soundtrack that was released on 9-11 and the movie was released on September 21st. Still, it was very bad. Okay. So. All right. Well, that wraps up the game here. Uh, I have stayed in uh, in third place. I've lost 10 points, and I arrived at a nice round 75 points. Jeff, second uh, place? Should have bet nothing, but yeah, ended up in eighty uh, with 86 points. And today's cream of the crop, 112, Neil. Good uh, job. Thank you very much. 112, one of my favorite uh, R&B groups. Congrats on being... Cream of the crop. The cream rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yay. Yay. <laughs> you All right. solved our puzzles. <laughs> <laughs> and now you are released. Yes. That's All right. Now works. Jeff and Ken have to fight to the death, and I'll come back in, and one body will be breathing. Well, my sisters, thank you so much for joining us on your brother podcast, Triviality. <laughs> Thank you, brothers. We are glad to be here, your sister podcast. We can't wait to come on to yours and uh, do some heavy research about some bro movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please do. We would love to have you guys on. Uh, I was going to say we asked nothing about romantic comedies this time, but I guess glitter, technically. You, you, went, you went hard the other way and went football, and that was equally bad for me. <laughs> so that was a great time. Thanks again to uh, Lauren and Julia from Misinformation for my uh, compadres here in the uh, studio, Jeff, Neil, and Matt, wherever he is. My name is Ken. That was Triviality. Also, did you see that the New York Times, the, the most pinned and like most used recipe for the year 2018 was chicken French, <laughs> which is a real ass thing. <laughs> What, what is chicken French? Yeah, what is it? It's lemon. Chicken, it's but you butter, stick your tongue in it. Capers. It's delicious. <laughs> it's chicken. It's wonderful. It's like regular chicken. I can't even look at you after you said that. I am a fan of yeah, Schadenfreude. <laughs> Seeing Jeffrey in pain brings warmth to my loins. Speaking, speaking of, uh, oh speaking. Of, 